The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You're listening to... KUCI! 88.9 FM. Irvine, Irvine, Irvine. Friend us on Facebook at KUCI FM and Twitter at KUCI FM. KUCI. Talk, music, and more. Hi there, I'm Janine, and you're listening to Get the Funk Out right here on KUCI 88.9 FM. And on this week's show, I have Laura Rope joining us to talk about her I'm Still Here music video, which has been an amazing YouTube sensation with over 750,000 hits and counting. She's also going to talk about her music, her life, kicking cancer in the butt, and her upcoming funny and poignant memoir, Rockin' the Pink, to be released spring 2012. Hey, this is Laura Rope, and you're listening to Get the Funk Out. Here's Laura Rope with I'm Still Here. I kicked you hard, and I'm not sorry. I beat you up, and it felt good. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's Get the Funk Out show, Laura Rope. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you very much for having me. Isn't it amazing, the power of Facebook? I mean, I heard about you through um, this woman, Luzanne, who I'd interviewed, who's from the Netherlands, originally from Seattle, and then she told me about you. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's (laughs) it's jaw-dropping, really. I know, because what are the chances? I mean, I, you know, it wouldn't have happened. No, and you know, you don't live that far. I mean, what, 100 miles away from me? Right. And yet we never would have crossed paths no. if it were not for Facebook. And I'm always looking for, you know, interesting people that are, have inspiring stories, and you certainly have an inspiring story. And I was wondering if you could share with me your musical background and also your latest music video that really struck a chord with a lot of people. Oh, sure. Thank you. Really, I do want to, again, thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate oh, you're it. you welcome. Um, well, my story is is that actually I was an attorney for years and years, mm. and in my youth, um, I was a theater major at UCLA, and I was always very musical and theatrical, but I gave that up to do the, I'm putting air quotes out even though I hate those, the right thing, <laughs> you know, the proper thing I know. that the girls are supposed to do. And it was in 2008, I had started singing with a cover band and kind of rediscovering myself. And I ran a marathon, and when I crossed the finish line, I realized, you know what? I can do anything. I can do anything. And so I sat down, and I decided the thing I wanted to do more than anything else was sing. So I'm speeding up the story, but basically what happened in 2008 is I recorded my first album on a whim, Mm -hmm. and I really did it just for my two little daughters to have a legacy of me. Hmm. And at the time, my husband, it was expensive to do that, and my husband, who is very supportive, Mm -hmm. didn't understand why I wanted to do it at such a professional level. And I remember I was sobbing, and I said, because I don't want to go to my deathbed and have my little girls not know who I really am. And that was like, okay. And then strangely enough, just a couple weeks later, I got diagnosed with a very aggressive, rare form of breast cancer. Oh my and gosh. I had no idea. I mean, I, I don't want to tell you 
that I had any conscious idea whatsoever because I truly did not. I was in my 30s, no history right. in my family, nothing. Unbelievable. And I feel like I had a premonition. I'll say to say that to your husband and want to do that. Yeah, I know. So then my album came out. That's my first album, which was written before cancer. I wrote all the songs. What was it called? It was called Girl Like This. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's really eerie is that there's some songs on there that people swear I wrote during cancer, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. Everything was before. And, um, like, one of the songs I wrote to my daughters just trying to tell them the lessons of life I wanted them to know in case I wasn't there to tell them. I know. It was so morbid, so bizarre. And um, anyway, so then I went through chemo and radiation, and I went through quite a quite a long period of trying to beat cancer, and I did. Oh, and so, while thank you, and then while I was in chemo, I wrote this new album. I'm still here. This is the album I actually wrote during cancer. This is the one that celebrates life in all its glory. And you know, how long was this whole process of you going through chemo and everything? Um, with surgery, and I wasn't done for about, it was about eight months. And, um, yeah, it was about eight months. So I came out of, of, of that experience a new woman, though. It's Mm. a blessing. I don't wish it on anybody. But if you're going to go through it, then please find meaning in it and find your true self and never step backwards, always move forwards. How did you find strength? Was it through music or just, just innately you had strength? I think I think innately I am a strong person, but mm-hmm. I don't think I could have made it despite that strength. I would have faltered if it were not for love. I would love to answer. It was music. Mm-hmm. It was more love. the love in my life, the yeah. friends who brought me food and, mm. you know, yeah. brought teddy bears for my little girls and mm. just made me realize I'm not alone. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I was hairless and I was skinny and I was gray and I was in pain. Mm-hmm. And they were there to sit on my bed and laugh and bring me a magazine. And anyway, it's girlfriends and family and my husband and my girls. What love. What tremendous just love. Love. Yeah. Just love. And um, through that love, I was able to find myself again and record this album. And now, now that I'm a couple years out from the end of my treatment, mm-hmm. I have the strength and the vision that now it's time for me to pay it forward. Nice. Nice. And how soon after did you produce that album, I'm Still Here? I recorded it um, in 2010, and I released it in early 2011. So 2010 was the first year, first full year after my treatment. Okay. And during that year, I also wrote a book, and that's been picked up to be published. About your whole experience with cancer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called Rocking the Pink. Rocking the Pink, I love and, it. <laughs> and that's coming out in March. And I'm, I've never written a book before, so it's not, and this is all post-cancer. I mean, I really want to emphasize, and the message that I want to get out to people more than anything else is don't wait for the gold card of a terminal illness, a potentially terminal illness, mm-hmm. to start living your life in earnest. Live it today. Nice, nice. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Laura Rope on Get the Funk Out, hosted by Janine on KUCI 88.9 FM. And so tell me about the book. Book, I'm so excited about the book. I'm giddy about the book. The book is being published March 2012. It's called Rocking the Pink, and it's a memoir. And I think the reason in this very competitive literary world that they picked it up is it's really quirky and different. 
And the thing is, is it's not like a cancer memoir. It's mm-hmm. not just I was in bed and I was yes. sick. Mm-hmm. It's all about the honest description of the quirky, dr- big, dreaming, crazy girl I used to be who let her that girl go away because of my own perception of societal pressures, family pressures, whatever, mm-hmm. trying to fit into a category that wasn't me. I see. And how I, I mean, I was a valet parker for Robert Downey Jr. and all these fun wow. stories. I'm Anne Bancroft and all these fun stories of celebrities and this really wacky, strange story that then kind of culminates in a very typical, orderly, conventional life, which is a lovely life. I'm not putting that down. Mm-hmm. But I needed to incorporate more of my big dreaming self. And so then it's the journey through cancer into the other side of that and finding my real self and actually the courage to be my real self on the other side of cancer. That is the creative step, is being yourself, being your true self. Mm-hmm. You know. It's a lot harder to do than it sounds for most people, right? Right, right. <laughs> so where are things going musically for you right now? Well, you alluded to it. I have this um, song. It's called I'm Still Here, and that's the title track off my album. And I put out a video now, what, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's got three-quarters of a million hits on this thing. It's great. It's, it's so great. So clever. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. We had so much fun making it. So if someone hasn't seen it, you you can click on my website, lauraropay.com, or YouTube. You can find it. And I am channeling all my favorite icons in order to kick cancer's butt. Love it. So, you know, from Madonna to Flashdance to the B-Girl to what? What else is in there? I mean, everything's in there in the kitchen sink. And I I just had so much fun making it, and it probably more displays my personality than anything else that's out there. And I could see, you know, your theater background, you're funny, you're quirky. It was so clever. Judy Garland, you you know, you have to red slivers. (laughs) (laughs) You love her. Who doesn't love her? So thank you. So, yeah, so that's kind of big right now. And um, Excuse me, who produced that video? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that. There's this amazing guy named Kurt Zenzian. He's in Connecticut. He does um, music videos and all kinds of video for a living. Mm -hmm. And I had connected with him, sort of like I'm connecting with you, just sort of, you know, like this Internet by friends through friends. And I bounced the idea off of him. I had the concept for the video. Mm -hmm. And I bounced it off of him and said, do you think this is a good idea? Is this even possible? Because... It may not look like it when you watch the video, but it's a huge production. Oh, I can tell. <laughs> no, I understand video. But it is a huge production. Oh, my goodness. And to my surprise, he said, I'll do it for you for free. I believe in you. I believe in your cause. You inspire me. Just come to Connecticut. We're in Connecticut. Costumes, We're in I'll Connecticut, come. by the way, because I'm from Stanford. Oh, H- Hartford? Hartford, yeah. So you, you didn't know this guy. And he, you just went to Connecticut? Yeah. And he shot it I for went. free. Look at that. And he did it. And, you know, we did this full-on studio with the green screen and, you know, so we could do our CGI backgrounds. This man, put not only did he shoot the thing and get a crew and get the studio, then he spent weeks editing. And I can't tell you how much time he put into that. All to donate just because where we're at right now, I'm going to cry. He wanted to touch people who may have been affected by cancer or adversity, and he wanted to join in my message of just hope and strength and laughter and joy. And what that's the only reason he oh, did that. What a gift he is. Mm-hmm. He is a gift. He is a beautiful person. And you know what? He just joined Avril Lavigne's tour today 
um, as the official videographer. He just mm-hmm. went off on a plane. So, I mean, karma is a good thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, you know what? I sent it to a friend of mine on Facebook, and then a friend of mine in Connecticut, I believe she's in uh, Westport or Wilton. I went to school with her. She saw it. She passed it to her friends. We were all talking about it. Oh, my gosh. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. So it's such, you know, it's a big world, but it's a small world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. And, you know, some guy in Vienna, in Austria, emailed me and said, I'm speechless of your video. I love it so much. I've sent it to all the TV stations. I've sent it to everyone I know. I can't stop watching. You know, it's like some guy in Vienna. I know. I just love it. I love it. <laughs> That's Thanks. the power of, mm-hmm. you know, social media. And that is the power. That's it a really great is. positive use of social media. So. Yeah, now, I'm really happy. What about playing out? Were you playing out a lot before you got cancer? Or? Yeah, um, I had, as I mentioned, I had joined a cover band, and I was playing, you know, weddings and corporate events and mm-hmm. parties all the time. And then I only had just released my album when I got sick, so I did a couple original um, dates. I did a Laura Kicked Cancer's Ass show. Right, I was still really <laughs> fragile, but oh. right after treatment, I did a big show here in San Diego, and um, now I play all the time. Um, I play both with my, I still play with my cover band, and I play nice. original shows. I'm about to play November second at the Belly Up, which is in Solana Beach here, and it's a really nice venue. I'm playing tonight at Humphreys, which is in oh, San yeah. Diego. Oh yeah, I know Humphreys. Sure. Yeah, I so love I mean, San I play. Diego. And my band is phenomenal. My band is really talented, so I'm very lucky about that. And when you basically, you're not you're not practicing as a lawyer anymore, right? I am not. I love to say that. I get a big smile. I quit the day I was diagnosed. So I called and said, I, I, got, I have cancer. I quit. <laughs> and no regrets. No, no. And I understand that. I have a, um, I have a PhD in uh, media and technology. I spent years working in training and development, and I, I just felt fried like that wasn't the true me. Okay, so you do understand. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, and I mean, you put so much effort and time into something, and so people think, well, you're already down this path so far. Are you sure you just want to double back and go down the other road? And yeah. You, wait, here's another sure. one. And you don't want to use your degree? Nope. No, that's the one I would get. You don't <laughs> want to use a degree? And I'm like, no, I, I just want to find who I am. Right. And the thing is, the degree is a piece of paper. You're using your knowledge. You're using your experience every single day. It helps you in, in, you know, innumerable ways. Yes. But the degree itself is a means in our society of getting in the door to the, quote, job you want. Right. I don't want that. You don't need to get into any door. You've opened the doors on your own. Yeah, exactly. I agree so much. Boy, we're soul sisters. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And now that we're so close, I want to come see one of your gigs. Oh, my gosh. I would love it. You have to. You have to. Oh, you should come to the Belly Up. Have you ever been to the Belly Up? No, no. Where is that? It's it's on the coast in Solana Beach, so it's actually North County, San Diego. It's kind of like Del Mar, north of Del Mar. All right. It's one of the most storied venues. If you Google it, Belly Up, you'll say, oh, wow. It's incredible. It only... It's only like 500 people, nice. but the acoustics and the vibe are fabulous. You would love it. How cool. What day of the week? It's November 2nd. November 2nd. Yeah, I think it's a bad night. I think it's like a Wednesday. A That's Wednesday? not good. I know. It's like an over an hour drive, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'll just have to let you know when there's a Let me here. know because I would love to come and, and, you know, check out one of your gigs. It's really interesting. I did the Susan G. Komen three-day walk uh, years ago, and... 
And I remember, you know, breast cancer survivors, not only were they walking, but they were standing on the on the street thanking all of us for doing mm. this. It was yeah. so powerful. I'm just getting a chill as you're telling me that. What May I ask you what uh, sparked you to do that walk? Because that's quite an undertaking. Well, um, a friend of mine uh, who's a writer here, she formed a team, and she was a breast cancer survivor, and she also had aggressive, uh, I believe, stage four breast cancer, and put together a team, and we all decided to do it, and we we trained. You know, I don't think we were ever, I was ever completely ready, you know, for 60 miles, but, and we just did it. And um, it was very interesting. The first day, you know, we were exhausted, It's and also you feel you're doing something so positive and so wonderful. And the second day, we couldn't even speak to each other. <laughs> we were so tired. <laughs> and the third day, it's like you're practically like running to the end with exhilaration. Like, mm-hmm. and but the thing really, honestly, that got me were the breast cancer survivors or people, you know, the women with no hair, or mm-hmm. seeing, you know, an eighty-year-old woman walking with you, motoring ahead of you, pa- passing you, like, yeah. you know, it's inspiring, isn't it? It is. I went to play at um, Sharp Hospital. They asked me to come and play for breast cancer patients, mm-hmm. many of whom are stage four and terminal. And it was oh. one of the most uplifting nights of my life, actually. It was so hard. It was so emotional. But the love and the spirit of these people, the love in their eyes, the gratitude, you know, that's the thing. That's why I guess I, I guess I could call myself somewhat of a cancer activist now. I've never mm-hmm. really thought of myself as an activist, that word. But the thing is, cancer strips away the BS. And yes. so you're left with this, your little soul is just hanging out there exposed and real and honest. Yes. Because even if you don't lose all your hair during treatment, whatever it is, you don't have any layers anymore. Right. You're not and hiding then, behind anything. Yeah, there's nothing to hide behind. And for me, because I did lose all my hair, that was a symbol for me. This is me. You know, I'm not my container. Mm-hmm. I am just me. Mm-hmm. And... That didn't go away. So now I have my hair back, thankfully, because I really like having hair. <laughs> but I'm back. I'm in a new place where I just feel like I can connect with people and I see their soul in their eyes and I want to be real with them and I want to touch their lives. And if they're in a spot that I was in not too long ago and they need someone to put out a hand and just say, I'm here, mm-hmm. I'm here, you're not alone, that's what I want to do. Okay, so I would have had to bring a lot of Kleenex to that gig because... Oh, man. My musicians had never understood. I brought my musicians with me, and they all... They're these beautiful, you know, hunky men, and they all were in tears. They just were like, oh, man, I've never seen anything like this. And they begged me, you know, just any time you need me, please call on me. Wow. You know, it's... That's what we're all here for. We don't have very long. Might as well make the most of it with real relationships and real connection. Right. I agree. I agree. And now, how old are your kids? My babies are, Sophie is 11 and Mm -hmm. Chloe is 8. Oh. They're so cute. (laughs) They're so funny. My kids are very close, 9 and 12, just turned 12. Do they come to your gigs? Mostly no. Most of the time I'm at clubs oh, where you late. have to be 21. Oh, yeah. Um, but a few times I've played, like, fe- um, festivals and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they come and they dance around and they're proud of me, but they get distracted after maybe four songs. They're like, yeah, great, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> they're proud of me, though. And, you know, um, my older daughter wants to be a writer, so she oh. sat next to me as I wrote my book. Mm-hmm. You know, writing a book is 
is uh, just as much as a crazy dream as trying to be a musician. People will sit around you and go, that's nice, Mm -hmm. but they don't expect it to head anywhere, and my daughter believed in me. She isn't jaded, obviously, and she doesn't understand the mountain I was climbing, so she said, oh, Mommy, it's so funny. Oh, Mommy, you're hysterical. Oh, Mommy, you've got it. (laughs) And she's the only one who believed in me 100% all the time. And now that book is getting published, and it's her book as much as my book. Look at that. And then my little one, she wants to be a singer. So she sees how hard I work, that it's not all glamour. It's just hard, hard work and believing when no one else does. And so I feel like this wonderful, what I set out to do when I was, you know, sobbing to my husband, as I mentioned, way, way before this whole odyssey began, I feel like I'm doing what I set out to do. My kids know who I am, and I'm blazing a path for them to believe in their dreams. Yes. And look how strong mommy is. And what a survivor mommy is on so many levels. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's a two-edged sword for them. (laughs) Of course, that's great for them to see what a survivor mommy is. But Mm -hmm. like my older daughter had to go to sixth grade camp this week where she's gone the whole week. And, you know, that's traumatic and scary. And I said, look, babe, I'm sorry, but I've survived a lot harder. And you are, too. You're going to make this. (laughs) And she was like, oh, mom, not the cancer again. Not that again, mom. (laughs) You already used that a few times, Mom. Yeah, Mom, you already used that card on me. But, yeah, they're adorable. And so tell me where you would love to see your music go. I mean, would you like to travel around and perform, or you want to stay close to San Diego? or? You know, it's funny that you asked that. I don't care about fame. I don't Mm – I'm 40. Okay. I don't envision or care about being a pop star. Mm -hmm. But – I do want to travel the world and meet people and share my songs, whether big or small. And so I already have. I mean, I did a tour in the U.K., and um, BBC Radio has been really nice to me and has played my music quite a bit. Nice. Um, I know there was a radio station in South Africa that took a big liking to me and was playing my music. So, you know, if my voice is traveling the world and I'm just, sharing whatever stories I have to share, whether musically or through a video or through my book. That's all I'm setting out to do. It's not like an American Idol overnight kind of sensation type thing I'm going for. I just I just want to keep having the opportunity to keep going. That's good. That's good. Because I'm sure you think, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. Look look at the the next chapter of my life that's opened up that might not have been here. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's a gift. It's a gift. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm very, very excited about it. When you look back at your life, you were an attorney, you were probably working really long hours, you you were probably mostly focused on your work, right? Yeah. Did you have aspirations when you're thinking, you know, somebody I'd like to do this or do that, or you you didn't think you'd ever get to do your music? There was a long period, maybe you can relate to this, where I had babies, and you know, for a while... When you're creating babies, <laughs> that really is like a creative, yes. very fulfilling um, chapter. Yes. I didn't. I had this work thing I was juggling, and I was creating babies with my husband and creating a life and a family, and I was caught up in that, and I was genuinely thrilled about that. I didn't feel a hole in my soul at that point. Okay. But then, and it's not that the novelty of having children wears off. I hope you don't think that's what I mean. No, not at all. But, you know, they become a little bit more self-sufficient, and suddenly you realize, oh, wow, I'm, I've got to be me separate and apart from just being a mother or my career. There's got to be more to me. And that's when, I don't know, I can't really place a number on the number of years, 
there. But at some point, I started to look in the mirror, and I saw that I had let my my little glimmer fade away. Mm-hmm. Had you always been a singer? I don't know if I asked you that earlier. Yes, I've I've always been, you know, school plays, very mm-hmm. much my identity tied to being like the singer, the performer. Okay. So never but it's just that there was so many years where I let that go completely and I didn't even dabble in it that mm-hmm. I forgot for a while. Who has time when you're juggling everything else? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I just thought, well, and I say this in my book, there's, for me anyway, there was a conflict that I had to overcome where I didn't want to be perceived as a dreamer. I thought that was a negative thing to be after a certain age. I thought that was that's just kind of like, well, that's for kids. And now it's funny. I just I admire people who dream and are creative and and kind of believe. But you have to hustle and work hard. You can't just yes. sit around and believe, you know. Right. But but dreaming helps, you know, a lot of people get out of a funk. Mm-hmm. Uh keeps life positive. If you have different aspirations, obviously if they have too many, that's not good, but realistic aspirations and you go for it, it yeah. it just makes life interesting what makes life worth living right you know uh for me it's been such a gift and the people i've met because i am following my dreams and the people Mm -hmm. who say thank you you're inspiring me wow it's never too late you know what i think i'm going to try to do this or this and it just makes me happy you know right and i mean there is a woman if i've already said this i'm sorry there's a woman who contacted me from a cancer center at UCSF, and she said, can I use your video? I'm going to be doing a presentation to the American Cancer Society, and I think your video displays positive survivorship Mm -hmm. and joyful living better than anything I've ever seen. Wow. Boom, you know? (laughs) It does. does. So I just said, yes, you can use my Of course, Mm -hmm. please use my video. That's what I'm talking about is I'm not trying to – I'm not trying to to do arena tours. If Mm -hmm. I have those kind of connections – Every so often, then it's uplifting right. to me, and I have a spring in my step. Well, you're genuine. You know, you just put yourself out there. This is who I am, and you put humor to it, and it, it's real, you know, and Thank that's you. what people love. They, they like real people who aren't afraid to be silly, dress up, be themselves, and provide a positive message because, you know, when you, when you do have that dream, you do inspire people. Have you heard the quote by George Eliot, it's never too late to be what you might have been? Oh, I love it. No, I've never heard it. I love it. Uh, a, f- a babysitter years ago, when I first moved to California, had it on the bottom of her email, and I copied it, and I live by it. I mean, oh it's so true. It. Yeah. You know? And that's I what you're doing. It. That's what Thank you're doing. You. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back more with Laura Rope. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. And Peter Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1.
This entire piece of music is played with only two instruments, a right hand and a left hand. Hands can do incredible things, but nothing compares to using them to help save a life with hands-only CPR. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. Hands-only CPR is recommended by the American Heart Association, and it's incredibly easy and effective. Find out more about this latest method of CPR at handsonlycpr.org. The power to help save a life is in your hands. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. We're back with Laura Rope on Get the Funk Out. This is Laura Rope with Stick of Dynamite. We're back with Laura Rope. Laura, what advice would you give people that have gone through what you went through? One thing I would say is take it day by day. That sounds very cliche. It is a lifesaver, though. Mm -hmm. You get so wrapped up and spiraling out of control thinking, I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my kids. I want to see my kids graduate from high school. And you just have to remember it's just get through today, whatever's in front of you today, and you know what? Tomorrow is likely to be better, and if it's not, it'll be better the next day. That's so positive. Um, the other thing, and this you people may not understand unless they've been in the shoes, but accept what people want to give you. It is so hard if you're used to being independent and strong and self-sufficient to realize and look in the mirror and say, wow, I'm weak and I need help. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, from casseroles, like I was saying, to any any kind of help people want to bring and give, at first you say, no, no, oh, you feel guilty. How do I repay all of this? Yes. And at some point you have to surrender and allow people to lift you up and embrace you and heal you. Was that hard for you to surrender? It was very hard. Yeah. It was very hard for me. I felt I broke down a couple times because I said, how will I ever repay all this kindness? I'll never be able to. Well, it sounds like you have an amazing network where they weren't expecting anything. I know, but it's hard to get your brain around all of that and just feel like just let it all go and accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So what's the other advice? The other advice is, you know what? Here's the other advice. I'm going to be real. Okay. It's not just you. Everybody's got something. Yes, you know, right. don't feel singled out. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you got the short straw from the universe. I know it sucks yeah. to get a diagnosis of cancer or anything else. And believe me, I'm not trying to be harsh here, but people lose their spouse. People have heartache. People are out of work. People have all sorts of illnesses and loss and adversity and just horrifying things. And You've got to lift yourself up, and you've got to look at the positive and the joy. And it doesn't mean you can't, you know, wallow occasionally in, yes. in being sad. And I'm not saying be fake. But the thing that gets most people down that I've seen, 
they say, why me? Why me? Sure, and I sure. say, it's not why you. Look, it's everybody. And if not, if this person next to you doesn't have something horrible right now, I'm sorry to say, but this is life. There's ups and downs. Life is rich. They will, they will have something to overcome one of these days. So we're all there for each other when that day comes. That's right. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Laura Rope on Get the Funk Out, hosted by Janine on KUCI 88.9 FM. Do you go off and also lecture at all to people or just pretty much perform? Well, it's interesting because when people ask me to perform, the answer is yes, mm-hmm. I have. But like, for instance, I mentioned to you that I went and performed at that hospital. And what happened was all my songs um, I've written myself. And I've written from a place, some point of view in my life, something important to me. Mm-hmm. So what happens is I wind up introducing the song and explaining an anecdote, an anecdote about the song and it turns into a speaking engagement, really. I speak a little, then I play a little, then I That's speak nice. a little, then I play a little. Yeah. And so many people have said to me, this is something you need to do. You are a motivational speaker. You, you are. And I say, really? So. Oh, no, you are, because you're also describing who you are, what you went through, and here's this song, and this is what it meant to me, and you're really touching people. Well, thank you. I, I think once the book comes out in March... Um, that's something I really want to pursue in earnest because as a published author and as a songwriter, I feel like maybe I'll have a, an interesting point of view to give on that kind of circuit. So right. Right. that's something I do dream about. That's kind of my next mountain to climb. That's fantastic. Uh, I don't anticipate it's going to be a huge mountain. I, I, think <laughs> you're just, I think it's great. And who's publishing your book? Seal Press. They're an, uh, an imprint, a division of Perseus Books, which is in New York. New York, okay. And it comes out in the spring? Yeah, March. It's already on Amazon.com as a pre-order. It's called Rocking the Pink. Mm-hmm. And I only say that because then you can look and see the summary that the publisher has put up there. I want to read it. I, I oh, really, thank you. Yeah, I really want to read it. it sounds I can great. honestly tell you the few people who have read it have said it is hysterically funny and makes me cry. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess I really want to get out there the idea that you can write a book about something that was hard and make it funny because life is funny it's funny and hard all at the same time well and people don't really want to read a book that is so brings them down i mean obviously it's touching and you're going to cry but humor is so healing oh i agree it's the only way to get through every day were you always so funny or did you find humor in the situation i think i've always been kind of funny yeah if i really am being honest with you that's okay I'm not the kind of person, I was a theater major at UCLA, I was there with Jack Black, I was there with the funniest, most amazing people, and I would notice, I'd go to these theater parties, and all these people would be basically vying for the spotlight, that's the nature of being a theater major, they're vying for the spotlight, but in an inappropriate way, we're just at a party, peeps, you Mm -hmm. know, like chill, Right. so they're like standing there trying to do a stand-up routine to three people. (laughs) And it, it always irritated me. And at the time, I remember saying that that guy's trying to do a stand-up routine. There's three people, and they're just standing there drinking a beer. And my feeling has always been I hate the, quote, funny person who is not actually being honest and real. I right. hate it. Right. So I think I've always been funny, but, like, my girlfriends will tell you, like, I keep them in stitches. But, like, am I, like, the person that's going to be at the party and be like, yeah, let me tell you about my husband. <laughs> right, right. You know? I'm no, not at all. no, I, I, I imagine you're just funny in a, a natural way. Right, I think yeah. so. Yeah, just because I mean I like to laugh, and also I'm the world's best audience. Oh my gosh, I will pee. 
pee literally with laughter if I find someone funny. That's I funny. laugh, belly laugh, all the time. And people, like, you know, say, you know, he's not that funny. I'm like, I think he is. Right. And you're not afraid to show it. Oh, my gosh. No, I love it. I'm like that with Wayne Brady. When I watch Wayne Brady, I'm <laughs> yeah, hysterics. He's so funny, too. Have you seen him live? I have not. I have not seen him live. But he's hysterical. I've seen he's him, like, you know, on TV. If you ever have a chance to see him live, you know, he's no holds bar. I mean, he's so... I saw him at a, the improv here in Irvine, and uh, he's hysterical. Oh, you know who I saw? I did see live, though. Um, Chris Rock. Oh, yeah. He was so funny live, I couldn't breathe. Yeah. And I love to laugh. I love, and I love all kinds of different humor. The guy who did my video for me, the one I was telling you about, he is so funny. And between the two of us, I... You know what's really funny is watching that video, I do not know how we got me with a straight face. Like when I was tap dancing as a bumblebee, it's amazing to me that I had a straight face at any point. Because my recollection is that we couldn't get any shots because I was laughing so hard. He was making me laugh so that hard. so funny. Now, how long did it take you to do the, that shoot? A couple of days? Yeah, it was like um, two full days. And I mean like crazy long days. Mm-hmm. And then there was a third day where I sat in the editing bay with Kurt before I flew home because he said, you know, there's a thousand different directions we could go with this thing, and I really want to get a sense of your aesthetic okay. and, and what you're trying to do here before you, I let you fly away. So we sat there, and we pulled an all-nighter. It was crazy. That third day, the, I thought the idea was I was going to sit there for a couple hours and just give him my two cents. And the next thing I know it, he said, what time's your flight again? I look at my watch. It's 6 a.m., and I said, oh, yeah, my taxi's coming to the hotel at 7. He goes, oh, I better get you over there. <laughs> Whoa, and you pulled an all-nighter. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even do all-nighters in, in college. Me neither. I'm not an all-nighter kind of girl. <laughs> As you passed out and drooling on somebody on the plane. Oh, yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was a mess. <laughs> was your husband like, where are you going and who is yeah. this guy? Yeah, actually, he was. He's super supportive. He's amazing. But as he should have asked, he's like, I don't even, what? Where are you going? I know. Who is he? How do you know him? And how did you know he was so reputable? He sent you a reel, or did you just know him through somebody? Well, I'd seen his work, Mm -hmm. but also the person I knew him from is, you know, a blue-chip, unbelievable person. Okay. And it's sort of like, well, if this person says that this guy is amazing, this guy's amazing. And then when I got there, his friends and his crew and his girlfriend and his mother, I met his mother, I mean... You know, yeah. these were lovely people. That's lovely so people. nice. That's so nice. And so you have another video out I, I saw, the animated one. Yes, for Heart Inside Your Palm. When did you do that? I have to credit my dad for that. When I was in the studio, um, you know, with that song, I sent my dad the first cut of it. And he said, oh, I love it. You know what you should do? I can picture a little cartoon heart playing out all the lyrics to the song. Yeah, and I said, oh, Dad, you're so right. Well, easier said than done. You know, how do you go about without spending tens of thousands of dollars having an animated video? So I wound up posting, this is going to give you insight into me and what hustle I have. Mm -hmm. I wound up posting ads on all the animation schools across the country. Good for you. I put an ad and said, I want to pay peanuts, but I want to make uh, an animated video for this song. And lo and behold, I put it on all across the country. The guy who answered was in San Diego. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, wow, fate. 
I went out to meet the guy, and it was another one of those cases. He said, I believe in you. The song is beautiful. I love the message of the song. And you know what? I'm trying to build my portfolio. I'm going to do this for you. It took him months and months and months. I mean, it's a very – and on purpose, it's a very simplistic mm-hmm. – the guy's brilliant. He could have done something completely complicated and crazy. But we both agreed that the nature of the song, we wanted the video to be very kindergarten, simplistic animation. So he put that together for me, and uh, then I put it on the Internet, and, you know, it reached people. Let me ask you, though, was this before you were diagnosed with cancer? No, that song is, again, part of the collection that I wrote during chemo. During chemo. Yeah, I wrote every song on I'm Still Here, except maybe one that I can think of was written during chemo, literally. Look when at I was the involved. strength you had to do that during chemo. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, huh? But, but healing, too. I mean, you know, you, very a positive thing for you. Yeah, it was, it was wow. healing. That's the word. It was yeah. healing, and it reminded me who I really am. When you look in the mirror, this sounds so vain, but when you look in the mirror, you don't, don't have hair, but you don't even have eyebrows. You don't mm-hmm. even have eyelashes. Mm-hmm. You, you, don't, you look like an alien, and it's hard not to get swallowed up into a black hole where you forget. You don't, you don't go out and do your normal activities. You're not you, and when you do go out, people give you pitying looks. They know. They know you're sick. Right. You get kind of like, who am I? And so writing the music was my way of reminding myself, hey, my soul is still soaring. I can still do this. I'm still me. Did you feel like you wanted to just stay home and be in a cave and, and just do this? Or you had no problem going out? It depended. Um, the week after a chemo, I had chemo every other week for mm-hmm. eight sessions. And so the week after chemo, I didn't want to leave. I was so sick. Yeah. Then the week before the next, the second week, the week before the next infusion, I would put on my little headscarf and I'd go out. But, like, here's a funny story. Well, not that funny. But I went to T-Ball for my Chloe at the time, who mm-hmm. was much younger, six. And I wanted to go watch her. So this mother of another kid on the T-ball team, I literally had never met her, never, ever spoken to her. And she comes up to me. First words out of her mouth are, I bet you cherish every moment now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, my gosh. So that gives you, like, that makes you want to go home and just stay there. Because I know she's meant well. That's not so uplifting to say to a total stranger. Oh, it's like, okay, so you're assuming I'm dying. You know I have cancer. Got it. Because I have my scarf and I don't have any eyebrows. I get it. I mean, I don't blame you for knowing I have cancer. That's terrible. That's so presumptuous. It is. And the truth is, no, I don't cherish every moment. I still am human. And that's what I wanted the freedom to be, as human, to not be a saint. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to float around like, you know, I'm a saint. Did you say anything? (laughs) No, you know what I did? Actually, I did this. (sighs) Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Mm. Actually, as a joke to myself. Okay. I was actually humoring myself okay. rather than, you know, no, I don't, like, she doesn't know me. And I didn't, if this is her worldview, like cancer patients float around like Susan Sarandon getting yeah. their children ready to go off with Julia Roberts, okay, <laughs> cool. You know, I don't want to break that. Right. So, but, um, yeah, this is akin to the other platitude, which is stay positive, which mm. people will say. It's like you almost feel like cars drive by and people roll down their window and poke out their head and just scream at you, stay positive, as yeah. you drive by. That's how it feels anyway. Right, right, right. And yes, 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 I know, I know, I got it. Yes, so I have this chemo buddy. Okay, let me tell this story. There's this woman named Jane. I met her on the Internet. The day I was diagnosed, I went on a website for my rare kind of cancer, mm. and I said, I'm scared and I don't have anyone to talk to because I, 
I had a bazillion people to talk to, but I didn't want to burden anybody. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm scared. Will you be my friend? Will someone be my friend? And this woman who had been diagnosed same day from the U.K., named Jane, answered me. We became chemo buddies over the Internet, wound up having our chemos on the same day. I wound up seeing her when I went on my tour to the U.K., which was right after my treatment. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I know. (laughs) This is why I wrote the book. And so Jane and I had this joke because she had the same, quote, stay positive problem. And she said, you know, we need to get shirts that say stay positive with two two thumbs up. And Mm -hmm. we just need to wear it everywhere. And you and I will have a little winking joke that we know, though we believe obviously in staying positive. Mm -hmm. This is my whole life's mantra. We just have to have our own little joke about, you know... (laughs) the unrealistic expectation on people who are sick that we've discovered the golden key to being perfect human beings. Yeah, it's like you're putting on a fake smile, you know. Say cheese, everything's going to be great. Say cheese, yeah, Yeah, it's the same thing. And so when she said, you must cherish every moment now, and I said, yes, yes, I do. It was just my little wink to Jane from across the pond, like, you know, okay, say cheese. People want you to say cheese, so you say cheese. Right. Is she okay now? She's great. Oh, good. Yeah, she's oh, great. So I went to go see her. We both had the same, like, quarter-inch growth of hair, and mm. we had never seen each other. We had never spoken. It was all Internet. It was all email. Look at that. So we ran and hugged each other, and we were just touching each other's little fuzzy heads and laughing and crying. It was one of the best moments of oh, my life. amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It was amazing. Where can people find out more information about you? please go to lauraropay.com, L-A-U-R-A-R-O-P-P-E.com. And you can read about me, my book, my music, my video that we've been talking about is there. The animated video for Heart Inside Your Palm is on my videos page. And that video, let me say, um, you know, a lot of what people know about me now relates to cancer, but Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, obviously got other sides to me and other points to to living. And um, I feel like, that video, that song, those lyrics are the most me you're going to get as far as what I believe. I love it. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. This has been so inspiring and so meaningful. I'm so glad we connected. Me too. Thank you so much. This has been unbelievably wonderful. I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best, and I can't wait to read your book. Thank you so much. You too. Here's one more from Laura Rope. This is Heart Inside Your Palm. And you can also see a great animated video of this on YouTube. That's a wrap for this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about Laura Rope, you can visit Laura, last name R-O-P-P-E dot com. If you'd like to find out about being a guest on the Get the Funk Out show, send an email to Janine, that's J-A-N-E-A-N-E at K-U-C-I dot org. I'll see you back here next Monday at 9. Peace out.